0: Well, tonight, if you have your Bibles, then you can turn to the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. If you haven't been with us in the past couple of weeks, and or maybe this is your first time at our equipped service, we want to welcome you and thank you for being here. Uh, some of you guys cannot make it to Sunday morning, so you're here on Wednesday night, and that's a good thing because we can gather together. At the same time, when you came in and you are given that bulletin, you're going to notice that there are no... Uh, scriptures in there, only blank lines so that you can take notes. And the reason for that is our Wednesday night is built so that we as believers dig deep in the Word of God and that we bring our Bibles. So in the future, I will ask you to hold up your Bibles. That way we can let the devil know we have the sword. We're going to let him know that we came equipped, ready to do God's work. Now, Some of you might forget Bibles or, you Maybe you forgot your Bibles at home or something like that, and you can share with your neighbor. Just tell them, yeah, like, borrow your Bible too, and you guys can share. But uh, that way we can learn together and and get into the Word of God. Uh, Some of you, you come to Sundays and Wednesdays, and you notice that there is a difference uh, between Sunday and Wednesday. Uh, Sometimes you'll leave here, and you may feel like it just wasn't complete. And sometimes you'll leave thinking, I wonder what it says about this it's so that you can go home and you dig into the word of god so that you too can learn about how to study the bible and i've i've always learned it this way that it's not so much me studying the bible it's the bible studying me because it's a bible that speaks to me not me to the bible and the bible is going to show up some things in my life it's going to shine its light on my life and if not for the word of god then we really have nothing to lay a foundation on we have no foundation it needs to be the Word of God. You can try other books or, or other things, but it won't be a foundation like how God intended us to have a foundation. That's so why the Word of God is so important. And in uh, John, excuse me, I'm just going to move this back. Okay. Uh, in the book of John, John uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 14, I'm going to read it. And this is the New American Standard Version. So yours might read a little bit different, but we'll catch it. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who is the only begotten one? Who is that? Jesus. Remember, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, He gave His begotten Son, which means the only one of its kind which tells us there is no other like Jesus. There is no other prophet that will show up that is like Jesus. He is one in himself. He is unique. He is the only one, his only begotten son, the only one of its kind. When the Bible says that the word became flesh, that means that Jesus is the word. That whatever God is speaking, whatever he's revealing to us, whatever he's saying to us, it's all in Jesus. We're going to pray before we continue tonight. So if you are by your heads and then we'll dive in. Lord, we pray right now that as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that our hearts would be open to you. Help us to stay fixed on you. And we pray for our hearts, Lord, to be molded and, and uh, built by you. That as you speak to us, uh, you, will, you will do a mighty work in us so that we can in turn do mighty works for you. It's not us. It's going to be you moving through us. But before you, end, you, before you do anything through us, you're going to do something in us. So that's our heart tonight, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. we all said, Amen. Some of you may recognize this uh, if you are dating or maybe some of you youth. I don't know if you do this. But when Heidi and I were first dating, I used to write this. And this is before we met Christ, okay? And, uh, you know... We would write this on the wall, or in a book somewhere, or on your school desk, and I would write Heidi, and you'd spell it like this because it's you know shorter. Loves Sheldon, and then what would you put on the bottom? Forever, Forever. and you wouldn't write F O R. You would put, and how would you spell ever? That's right. You see? You guys know. Because you guys did that too. I know you did that. Some of you guys put that on a tattoo. I mean, you tattooed that on you, and then uh, you broke up, and then Allah. But uh, that's what we did. And then, you know, you put a heart on it. You, you kind of decorate it. You do certain things like that. And the reason why we put this right here, forever, or forever, when we put that, is because that was the intent. That was the, that was the heart The heart was saying, I'm going to love you forever. That was the heart. Now, if you think about what God does, and even in our scripture up here, Hebrews 13, it says, Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So God's intent is for us to be with Him forever. It starts off that way. His heart is that none shall perish, but everyone comes to repentance so that we could have a life with Him forever. Then when He says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us... What he's saying is, I want you to listen to my words. In other words, listen to what my son is saying. Last week we talked about the revelation of God and that Jesus is the revelation of God. But there are two things that God uses to reveal himself. One is Jesus Christ, but the second is the Bible. It's the word. That's what he uses. Those two things. This is what he uses to reveal himself to us. And we can understand. We can get into the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will give us that understanding. And when we look at Christ, then we begin to see who God really is rather than trying to guess. If you want to understand God, just look at Jesus Christ. The Message Bible says it like this, John 1, 14. It says, "...the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son." Generous inside and out true from start to finish if you want a title tonight it's going to be the word became flesh you're going to write that down just so that you can remember tonight that the word became flesh See God has revealed himself to us through his word and through his Son because the word became flesh in John 118 it says that no one has ever seen God. But the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us, or put Him on display. So the question is, is Jesus Christ a revelation of the eternal God? Absolutely. He's, he's God, and, he's, and God has revealed Himself to us through Jesus Christ. You know, when you, when you think about God displaying himself through Jesus Christ, I, I cannot help but think about uh, window displays. You know, when you're walking past certain stores, or if you're going to the mall, or if you're uh, going, uh, traveling somewhere and you're, you see the window displays, it kind of captures your attention. That's the whole point of making a window display, so that they can capture your attention. And if they can capture your attention, that means you'll go into the store and you'll go check things out and you'll purchase something. So many stores, they work very hard at window displays. They'll put their very best up front. They'll even put the word sale on the front to lure the women in. That's what they'll do. Once you you women see sale or, what is it, BOGO? Buy one, get one free. Then you pretty much want to check it out. That's how they entice you. With men, sometimes they'll show their tools or, or, or uh, you know, something that has to do with fishing or something that captures your attention and that causes you to go into the store to check out things. And sometimes you don't even buy what was in the window display. You buy something else. But it was their way of luring you into the store. There's this thing called shop kick. And if you do that, just raise your hand real quick. Look at all your kickers. So those of you who do not know what Shopkick is, it's an app for your phone, an application for your phone. And basically what you do is you sign up for this program that certain stores will give you points if you just go into the store. That's it. You go into the store and you get points. But you get more points if you go to various items and you scan in the UPS USP, UPC, the code, the bars. You scan that in and then you'll get more points. So some people, they're not even shopping. They're shop kicking. And you'll see them in the stores. So if you see them now, now you'll notice what they're doing. If you haven't, if you just seen them going into the stores, grabbing their phones and you know scanning something and then putting it back, they're not stealing. They're scanning in certain items. The whole goal of that is so that they would visit certain areas in the store that you would never visit. That's what it's for. They'll bring you down certain aisles that you would never go down. We went down this one aisle. I would never go down. I said, Heidi, hurry up. Just do the kick and I'm out. Come on. She goes, you got to do your phone too. I said, no, you do them. I ain't going to do them. You do them. I ain't going to go down that aisle. I see husbands and wives. Sometimes they're shop kicking. Poor husbands. The wives are, yeah, yeah. Go, oh, 30 points. And the husband like, we, can we go? I'm hungry already. Can I get some fries or something? And, but that's the whole goal of shopkicking. It's so that you buy certain things or you check out the entire store. Now, when the Word became flesh and God put Christ on display, He did that so that we would kind of like walk in to this relationship. That we would kind of check things out. That we would walk into areas of our lives that we would never check out. That we would go before God and say, God, here's some things that I would never have thought of that I need to correct with you. That here are some areas in my heart that I need to cleanse because otherwise I would never go to you. If not for Jesus Christ, if not for Him sending us the Holy Spirit, we would not do certain things. See, it's a challenge when it comes to living a life for Jesus Christ. Once we say we're believers, a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're saying we follow Him. Not just recognize Him from a distance and look at a display window and say, Oh, that's great. That's, yeah, I believe in that. That's what I believe in. Oh, I believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe these things. But have you walked in to the things of God? Have you grown into a greater depth of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or do we just attend church? And then when something is challenging or somebody challenges us, or even if the Word of God challenges us, do we do something about it? Did you know that as believers, now, I'm just stating this, okay, don't go out on a rampage after this. As believers, the Bible tells us not to judge the world. That's what the Bible says. But it does tell us to judge one another. Did you know that? The Bible tells us, as believers, we're supposed to judge one another. We're not supposed to judge the outsiders, but we judge the insiders. And what that means is that we don't go around putting ourselves above people, but we go beside one another. That we encourage each other in our walk with Jesus Christ. And I hear people tell, say it often that, you know, don't judge me. God is the judge. Yes, He is. But I don't know about you. I'd rather my brother or sister judge me rather than God. I'd rather, I'd rather get it right here on this earth before I get to God. Think of it this way. Would you rather your dad judge you or your brother or sister come to you and say, hey, you better get this right before dad finds out. Yeah, you'd rather do it that way so that it's corrected by the time you get to dad and dad says, hey, did you do this? Yep, I did it. Done, done the chore. It's all done. He says, oh, well, right on. Good for you. Here's a cookie. It's different. And so when the Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, We have that brother in Jesus Christ. That he's that brother that comes alongside of us and says, here are some things that I want to do in your life. Here are some things that you've been doing that I want to correct. Here are some things that you still have time for to turn things around. You still have time. And it may come through a brother or sister in Christ. That's how Jesus shows up many times. Then what can happen is we push God away by pushing one another away. And we say, no, I don't want want to hear anything of that. No, 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 God is my judge. Yes, He is, and you're absolutely correct. But the Word became flesh. I'd rather get it correct here than wait for God to do the judging. Because He will judge righteously. And we think that, oh, well, I'll just stand before God. No, 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 no. Jesus came to set us free, so we don't stand before God by ourselves so that He can stand by our side. And He wants to do that because He has a life plan for us. So when the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us, who dwells among us? It's our brothers and sisters. And Christ, not Christ Himself, if you were to look at it that way, but Christ through us. As Galatians tells us, that is. it is I who no longer lives, but Christ who lives in me. Can you see how important the body of Christ is? We operate different than the world. The world will operate in gossip. We operate in love. And we carry each other side by side. Because the word became flesh, it's going to hit our flesh. You know that nature inside of us that says, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to. Or I, want to, I don't want to hear it from you anymore. I don't. Stop telling me that. It's like if somebody else told us, then we receive it. But if this person tells us, oh, we don't want to hear it. Like your spouse. Like if your spouse told you something, you're like, ah, whatever. It's picking on me. Leave me alone. But if somebody else told you, it's like, oh, yeah, man, I got to work on that. It's just different. But nonetheless, it's like God saying, here are some things that I want to work on because He loves us. And He sees what's best for us. Philip, asked Jesus a kind of a, kind of an amusing question he says in john fourteen eight Lord show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us in other words, if you just show us if you just show us God if you just if you can just reveal him to us, then we'll be fine we'll be okay and then Jesus said to philip, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say show us the father see we want to see God when He has already revealed Jesus to us. I remember even growing up, we would say, I wonder what God looks like. And I don't know if you remember those tracks, you know, those, those little pamphlets, and God had no face, and He was really big on the throne, and His face was shining, had like the shiny things, and then had all the little people, uh, us, who was standing before the throne, and, and just God had no face. And so growing up, that's what I thought God looked like. I thought God looked like, you know, like Silver Surfer or, you know, like a superhero without no face. That's what I thought God looked like in this big robe. And God says, now I'm going to reveal myself to you in Jesus Christ. That's, and not a physical, you know, feature. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, here's my character. Here's who I am. This is, this is who I am in all my fullness. Jesus is the complete revelation of God. If you want to know who God is, then you got to get to know Jesus Christ. As 1st Timothy 3:16 tells us, it says and without controversy, and you can turn there, 1st Timothy 3:16. And without controversy, it says great is the mystery of godliness. And then it states this, and if you do have a Bible that you're turning to, 1st Timothy 3:16. It says God was manifest in the flesh. In other words, God revealed Himself in the flesh. It was made known. It was made public. It was shown that God was manifest in the flesh. Shift gears a little bit because I think this will help many of us. In 1 John, I know you just turned to 1 Timothy, but 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3. It kind of gives us a way to test this spirit. It says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Now watch how it really specifically speaks about Jesus Christ. It says, "...every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God." So it's not just believing that Jesus Christ came, it's believing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God." This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. Now I know some of us, once we hear about the Antichrist, we're thinking of end times and here's this you know, uh, person sitting in the you know, person of lawlessness and, and now here comes a tribulation and all of these end time things. But Antichrist is basically against Christ. And if you're anti-war, you're against war. You're not for war. So Antichrist is just, you're not for Christ. So anyone who, who does not confess Jesus is not from God, that this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now is already in the world. And it says, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, come in the flesh, then you are part of the spirit of Antichrist. That you do not have God or the Father, Christ or the Father, or either one of them. So the question is, do you truly believe that Jesus Christ is the complete revelation of God? And I know sometimes it's hard to grab or hard to get our minds around that, because we can only think so much. You know, we we have a, a limited capacity in our knowledge, a limited capacity of our vision, a limited capacity to think we can only think so much. God has an infinite ability to think and to do. And he's, he's just infinite in His knowledge. That's why He's God. In Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, it says that all the fullness of God dwells in Him in bodily form. So, all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. So if you think about it, the two things that reveal God, is one is His Word. He's revealed in His Word, the Bible. The second thing, of course, is Jesus Christ. It's really simple if you want to get to know God. The world will complicate it because it will throw religion at you. God says, I am simplifying it. I'll give you my Son. And whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the love of God that compels us, that draws us to Himself. It's not a law. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with God Himself. God will speak to us today through the Bible. If you're wondering what God God sounds like, get into His Word. Because it's it's difficult for someone to explain to you what God sounds like. But if you get into His Word, He'll let you know what He sounds like because He has already been speaking. We just need to open up His Word and let it breathe, breathe life into us. And some people ask, well, where should I start? I don't know where to start. Should I just start in Genesis and then read all the way through? You can if you want. I would suggest the book of John first in the New Testament and then maybe the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is very practical with wisdom. But I would start in the book of John. You can read Matthew, Mark, and Luke afterwards because it's a witness, an eyewitness of the life of Jesus Christ, His ministry, and then you can uh, learn more and more about the love of God, through what Jesus did, and you'll see his compassion. You'll see, you'll see how he lived his life and, and how he called his disciples together. But that's the Word of God. He speaks to us. If we're not in the Word of God, it's gonna be very difficult for us to live as a Christian and to do the things that God called us to do. Uh, I don't know about you, but lately it kinda of seems like people drive crazy. I don't know if it's a construction, I don't know if because they're doing different things on the road or are they painting new lines. But it's almost like, what is happening? Like when people cut right in front of you and there's nobody behind you, you know, that like they could have waited for you to pass and then come onto the road. But no, they cut right in front of you and you have to almost like, slow down. You're thinking, what are they doing? The other day, Heidi and I, was we were driving home and, and some guy cuts in front of us and I'm thinking, why didn't he just wait? Or why didn't she just wait? I don't know who was driving. And so... Then the other day I'm coming home, same thing, but this one was different. The person was supposed to turn left onto the highway, but as I'm coming, he ended up turning right. And I thought, what are they doing? So I explained this to Heidi, she said, maybe they don't have their license. That's a good point. That's actually a good point. Now if you have your license and you drive like that, I wonder if we need to go back to the driver's manual. Think about it. How many of you guys just periodically read the driver's manual? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Like, you know, two times, three times a year. I read it once. How many of you guys agree with me? You read it once. Once. And you didn't even read the whole thing maybe. Maybe you perused through it. Maybe you kind of just skimmed through it. That's a driver's manual. We do that every single day. And we don't read it. We read it once and we got it. We got it down. That's why we drive the way we do. (laughs) And I thought, how often do I read the Bible? Do I periodically pick this up? Have I just read it once? Have I just said yes to Jesus Christ and I said, I'm good. I got my license in God. I'm saved. I'm good to go. God says, wait a minute. You live life every single day. No wonder people say, how come they act like that? Why? I thought you were a Christian. See, when the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, what God is saying is, He's always available. There is no reason why we cannot go to Him. We live in probably the, the most saturated society when it comes to the Word of God. Everyone we own 2.3 or two, almost 3 Bibles per family. When there are some nations that they have no Bibles families that have no Bibles. It's the Word of God that became flesh. When the psalmist David, King David, was um, writing the book of Psalms, and and I want you to turn to Psalm 119, and I I want us to take a look at this, because this will be very interesting as we look at the authenticity of the Bible and, and the Word becoming flesh. Sometimes when I read or when I do my devotions... You know, I favor certain books. Now, I had a difficult time reading Psalm chapter 119. Because it is the longest chapter in the Bible. But I've grown to love it because of the content of what the Word of God represents. Some of you hate reading Numbers, Leviticus. Some of you hate reading the book of Job or Revelation because you don't understand it. And not that you hate reading it, it's just, a, it's just a, you know, a, almost like, oh boy, I don't understand it. Or it's boring, maybe you think, or, or they're only talking about the tribes of Israel. So, you know, maybe you favor one book over the other. But Psalm 119 is very interesting, the way it was written. And not just poetically written and written for song, because that's what Psalms mean. But it's written in a way that no other chapter is written like. Now, I don't know if your Bible is like mine, but in Psalm 119, you'll see different words in the beginning, like Aleph, before verse 1. And the way the psalmist wrote this chapter was done in such a way that it would cause the reader to memorize it easier. You know, like today, uh, we have these things like hooked on phonics, or we have uh, flashcards, or, or things to help us, or like an iPad, and then the kids can read the word and see the picture, it was, it was, that's what it was intent, what it was intended to do. It was to help us to memorize this chapter. And so what David did is he used the Hebrew alphabet, which is 22 letters. And so the book of Psalm 119 is in 22 sections. And I think it has 176 verses. Is that correct? Yeah, 176. But each section has 8 verses each. And in the original Hebrew language, every, every uh, scripture, the beginning of that scripture, starts with that letter. So if Aleph or Alpha, as we know it, Alpha and the Omega, that's what it starts off with. And so every... Stanza, if you would call it that, every verse and every section is written in such a way that it's it's more than just reading, and it's interesting. I'll just read the first verses of each uh, each section. So, Psalm one nineteen, verse one, it says, "Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord." Verse nineteen. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I shall keep it to the end. Verse 41, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Verse 49, remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction for your word. Oh, excuse me, I read two verses. (laughs) So remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Verse 57, You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I will keep your words. Verse 65, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Verse 73, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 113, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Verse 121, I have done justice and righteousness, but not, uh, do not leave me to my oppressors. Verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. Verse 137, righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Verse 145, I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. Verse 153, Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Verse 161, Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. Verse 169, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word you can't tell me that the psalmist was trying to say something about God's word think of God in everything he's he's doing and in everything that he does when we look at the word of God and when we look at how this this chapter was written it's like God was looking throughout time and he said okay this is this is from this time period to this time period My word is going to be written. I'm going to reveal myself through my word, through my son. Okay, this is what I'm going to give to you people nowadays in 2013 or thereafter. But I'm going to do something special right here in the middle that I want you to catch. That I don't just inspire words. It's not what I'm doing. But I'm going to breathe life. That I'm not just going to give you a book that you read and then you put down then it does nothing I'm going to make it living I'm going to make it active it's going to be sharper than any two-edged sword it's going to pierce your heart but not only will I give you my word so that you can know who I am I'm going to give you my one and only son the begotten one the only one of its kind that my word is going to be made flesh and together it will reveal God to us I want to encourage you tonight if you're not in the word of God get in the word of God if you are in the word of God keep digging deep if you're getting counseling and you're not in the word of God counseling will do you nothing sorry to say it that way it'll help for a little bit but it won't dig deep into your soul I refuse to counsel people who are not in the word of God not because I don't want to but because I believe that this will do so much better than words that I can speak because it's living and active. And yes, I can give scripture. Yes, I can give godly advice. But if you don't own it, you will not own the words that come out of a human's mouth. That's the power of God. Get into the word of God. It's that powerful. It doesn't matter what age we are. It doesn't matter how long we've been walking with the Lord because if we're not in the word of God, what will mere knowledge do? doesn't matter how long we've been with the Lord. He's fresh every day. He serves fresh bread. He is the bread of life. There's nothing else but Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Amen. Amen. I want to close with this scripture, and it's Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. We can bring the worship team out. Because some people ask me, they say, Well, you know, some people, they visit my home, and they give me another Bible, and... And they they tell me, uh, you know, the Trinity is not real. Where in the Bible does it say Trinity? And I say same place that it says stop sign. And they say, it doesn't say stop sign in the Bible. And I say, well, you still stop at the stop sign. So uh, it's not about what word is in the Bible. Trinity is just to explain God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to get into details. But Galatians 1, 8 and 9, it says this, But even if we, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you he is to be accursed what it's saying is don't even even if even if a religion is built around an angel that has come down but is contrary to what the bible is speaking about don't even listen to that let that person be accursed as we have said before so i say again now If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Many of us will be tempted, especially in times like this, to follow end times and to follow people who say, Oh, this is the end of the world. And Jesus warned us over and over, He says, You know, there are gonna be people who come and, and say those things, and but do not be afraid. Because the end must come. These things must happen before the end. But fear not, I am with you. Just fear not. And if anyone preaches anything other than Jesus Christ and what, what has already been written and what, what has been revealed through Jesus Christ, he says, don't, don't follow that. Let them be accursed. If there are Christians that are making you do things that are not according to the Bible... Don't follow it. As good as a friend that they may be, don't follow it. Get back to the Word of God. Get back to Jesus Christ. Don't follow myths and genealogies and things that have no foundation to it. Otherwise, you'll get caught up in signs and wonders and you'll miss the one who creates signs and wonders. Don't miss Jesus Christ. Stay close to the Word of God. The message Bible reads it like this. It says, Let me be blunt. It's almost like saying, Here it is. If one of us, even if an angel from heaven, were to preach something other than what we preached originally, let him be cursed. I said it once. I'll say it again. If anyone, regardless of reputation or credentials, preaches something other than what you received originally, let him be cursed. That's why even as a pastor I say you got to get into the word of God. You got to go back to Jesus Christ. Don't follow man. Follow Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set who who set his eyes on Jerusalem, who did, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And now it is no longer it is not a human being that sits on the right hand of God. It's not, it's not a pastor that sits on the right hand of God. It is Jesus Christ who sits on the right hand of God. Amen. And we pray to Him. You can stand this morning. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing our final song together. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. Filipino time. We're going to pray. To our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thought I said something. Well, I did say something wrong. But let's pray together as as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together this evening as the body of Christ. And Lord, as we learn together the Word of God and how powerful the Word of God is, that's the only way we can overcome the things in our lives. Lord, I love my brothers and sisters enough to talk about things like this. And, And Lord, may we be strong together as the body of Christ, that it is you who reveals God to us. It's a word that has been given to us that directs us and strengthens us and points us in the right direction. Lord, I pray and and I want to encourage those that are not in your word, who are not reading the Bible, Lord, that they would get into the word of God. It's not not a religion that we follow and it's not a scolding. It's more of an encouragement. It's more of an ushering. It's more of a a thought-provoking movement of your love. So Lord, we turn to you and Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for becoming flesh. That you dwelt among us. Lord, I pray for those who are in the word and and as they continue to dig deep that that yes we do study the Bible, but may it be where the Bible studies us more than we study the Bible. That we don't need to be people who know it all, because when will that be? But let us be people who know you. And because we know you, as we read your word, you begin to make yourself known to us. So that we, in turn, can go out into the world and reach others for you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen.